We're live! We're live! Hello and welcome to Shooting This Shit. We've just lost Bev's video. Uh, and we're late and Rachel's had to run across three acres in wellies. Oh, Bev's back. Yeah. Very well. We just said to Bev, don't worry about being professional because we really aren't. And there we go. And there, yeah, and it all went to part. So, hello. Today we are talking about the menopause. Uh, it is menopause. What is it, Bev, coming up? Menopause Awareness Week. Yeah. So, it's Menopause Awareness Month all through October and World Menopause Day on the 18th, so next Monday. There you go. So, to, to celebrate World Menopause uh, Month, we thought we'd get a menopause expert on to chat with us uh, because I, for one, am woefully ignorant about the menopause and it's galloping, uh, I'm galloping towards it. So uh, it's something that, you know, I feel like we need, to, I need to be more aware of. And speaking to Bev just highlighted how little I actually know about it. Mm -hmm. So we thought we would have a chat with Bev. So let's go around and say uh, who we all are. Uh, Bev, we'll start with you, please. Okay. Thanks, Hannah. So uh, Bev Thurgood, I'm a menopause trainer and a coach, which is a job title I never expected to have ever in my life. I've been doing this now for the last three and a half years, and I'll tell you a bit about why I do that in a little while. So I'm the director of a business called Fresco Training Limited, specialising in menopause awareness for businesses. Brilliant. Excellent. Has anything exciting or funny happened to you this week? It's only Monday. I know. <laughs> <laughs> no time for everything to go wrong yet. Do you know what? It's, it, it's apart from losing my camera at a very inopportune moment, it's been a pretty normal day so far. Today. A bit That's of training cool. delivery and uh, lots of lots of marketing stuff so let's hope fingers crossed the rest of the week goes as calmly yeah sometimes Aww. all you want is normal isn't it yeah. <laughs> uh rachel yeah. Oh, Rachel Weinhold, one of the directors of Grow Traffic, which is a search marketing agency, one of the founders of Shooting the Shit, Feminism Plus Business Channel, oh, Seroptimist, chair of the Baker Business Association, owner of the Wabbit. He's the cutest Wabbit ever. Rachel, you've just trained your rabbit to pass you items, haven't you? Yes, he passes you. He passes you things. If you put them in front of him, he will put them into your hand. Yes, he's very clever, rabbit. <laughs> Rish, hi, 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 everybody. Um, so I'm Marisha. I have a telecoms consultancy company, um, and I do telecoms as well. So very male orientated. So it's nice to come on here and and chat about all the things. Um, I also make marmalade, and you know, so far this week. I have been making Christmas cakes, actually. So, you know, uh, I'm working. It's very oh. festive here. <laughs> I my Christmas shopping this weekend. That's I know, never happened before. I just thought, mm, Brexit, I'm going to mm. start early. <laughs> Panic buy. <laughs> How can we make this Christmas even more miserable? We'll start it in October. <laughs> in my defence, I, I, I try and get ahead because, like the the Christmas cakes I make are ninety percent alcohol by the time I finish. So if I start them early enough, then there's you know slightly less rush. And we need. I have yeah. never made a Christmas cake in my whole life. 
Don't. Same. Same. <laughs> That's because people like me will make them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it could be because the alcohol would never make it to the cake. That's probably no. why. This is true. This is also true. <laughs> I just think as well, you can buy it in the Aldi. Like, I don't want to. Oh my it God, get out. Yeah. <laughs> okay, just get her off. Drop, cut her off. I'm not. That's it. Finished. Well, let us know if you've made your own Christmas cake. Yeah, um, we go. Get your and Christmas cake. That's what we should have called this episode. <laughs> um, and I am Hannah. I'm also a director of Grow Traffic. I'm not going to bash on about all the other things I do because I'm not as egotistical as Rachel. Uh, <laughs> and everyone in my house has either got COVID or is. Uh, trying to avoid covid so it's oh, it's no. good fun times but every i know but but you know we everyone's fine it had to come eventually didn't it so mm-hmm. um so what do you know about the menopause marisha not a great deal in all honesty i it's it's mainly you know stuff that's kind of mentioned in passing you know having a hot flush and that's pretty much it you know um and but uh, also been made aware more recently like over the past you know maybe four or five years um about you know peri- perimenopause as well um you know and again but it's 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 mainly in name as opposed to anything else like how it actually affects people and things like that i don't really know and you know i will go off on a rant about female hormones and how we know nothing about them but i'll leave it at that for today <laughs> well no we're here for the rant she's being modest she's gonna rant any minute i will it's there it's there <laughs> well i was i was like you i knew absolutely nothing and i was just staggered really and i don't know why when i when i read that there's 13 million women in the uk at any one time with symptoms and nine out i mean they've got loads of statistics here but there's there's 13 million women in the uk with symptoms of menopause and nine out of 10 women say that they're frightened to talk to the manager about the menopause so there's like gazillions of women do you know what baffles me as well? It's like when we are at school and we are having, you know, sex education, PSHE, learning about your bodies and all that, you know, obviously we are at the point when you're at high school that you are going to go through puberty if you're not already going through it. So it makes sense to learn about puberty and what happens when your periods start and how your body changes and how babies are made. But then it just stopped. I don't remember yeah. ever anybody speaking to me about what would happen to my body kind of post babies. That was, it was like, this is how you have a baby. This is what you do. If you are a girl, you will have a baby. Your body will prepare for a baby. If you don't have a baby, you'll have a period. And then nothing. And it's just crackers mm. because you think again, every woman that goes through, a, goes through starting a period, goes through puberty is going to go through the menopause. Why do we not learn about this? It's crackers. Yeah, the menopause was just something that like Nan and Mum talked about until you walked into the room and then yeah. they stopped talking. Well, it, it always reminds me of that uh, Victoria Wood sketch where she's on about, you know, if something went wrong down there, you kept your gob shut and you turned the wireless up. And like, it was that attitude, wasn't it? It's just, you know, women's issues. Don't talk about it, women's issues. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's it's about so- the hormones because we don't talk about it enough the good news is rachel that as of september last year menopause is on the school curriculum <gasps> brilliant which is great how they'll actually talk about it i don't know let's hope they do mm. it accurately because there's a whole load of rubbish talked about the menopause yeah but i i do wonder though i mean i'm 55 now 56 in january i started to learn about this stuff when i was 50 
Would I have been that interested when I was 12, 13, 14 about what's going to happen to me 40 years up the road? I don't think I would. I think it would have been good to know. It would have closed the loop, but I'd have forgotten about it. And now at mm. menopausal, if they told me last week, I'd have forgotten about it anyway. <laughs> I can't remember anything for more than three days. But that's why I think there's a, a massive scope to, with so many women working, 80% of menopausal women are in work. So the workplace is a great place to intervene and give us that education. And, and there's other places, you know, we, we all have smear tests. We all have to have our boobs trapped between iron oh, God, yeah, that things, hurts. don't they, when we have a, yeah. a mammogram. So there's loads of reasons why women have to visit the GP that we could get educated if GPs knew what they were talking about as well. But the other thing as well, yeah. I think it just comes down to demystifying because, it, you know, just by the nature that we are enabled at school to talk about periods, but they're not allowed to talk about them, you know, it's just never mentioned. It just never enters our, you know, our lexicon, our, our normal womanly conversation. And as you say, Hannah, you know, those older generations, yeah, they shut up about it when you came into the room. It was, you know, something secretive. And, and you know, even just by whether or not they teach it well at school, whether or not kids have forgotten about it by the time they take their A-levels, just by the fact that we've talked about it has got mm. to be a good thing in opening up that conversation, hasn't it? Yeah. yeah, and I think uh, I'm going to do a pop quiz in a minute. But one of the one of the kind of uh, questionnaires I was reading, a lot of the feedback from it was that women are wrongly diagnosed when they go to the doctor, um, and it, and they're wrongly diagnosed with depression. So you know, it's mm -hmm. just it's not just it's not being talked about in schools. It's not being taught about by to doctors. Well, did you know it's an elective when you are a GP doing your training and GPs go through however many six, seven years worth of, of mandatory training, the menopause is an elective syllabus that they do not have to take, which yeah. to me is terrifying. It is absolutely terrifying. Mm. Right, quick pop quiz. And oh. Bev, you're not allowed to answer these. I'm sorry, because uh, you might know the answers already. Because <laughs> I might get it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, how long can a menopause last for? Up to? Ooh, I'm going to say 20 years. Oh, no, oh, but the actual, the actual menopause or the symptoms? The symptoms. For how long can the symptoms last? Oh. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm going to stick with 20 years. Yeah, I'm gonna. I would say ten. Bev, do you know the answer? There's not a definitive. There's never a definitive when it comes it's to menopause. It could be anywhere between five and probably twenty. Mm. To be honest, yeah. Yeah, I read that um, on average it can last up to about fifteen years. Fifteen years, wow. guys. Fifteen, 15 years. is such a huge chunk of your life. Exactly, and that's it. And coming back to my point, which I'm going to continue to labour. You know, you go puberty is what three years. And, and then your periods have started and they're fairly regular and you're all right. 15 years of our lives is massive. We could have we could have birthed a child and they're almost left home in that period mm -hmm. of time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. How many symptoms of the menopause do you think that there are? Oh. According to this uh, fact that I found on, uh, <laughs> on this website. <laughs> on Wikipedia. <laughs> How many menopausesupport.co.uk yeah okay I'm, I'm gonna go with a lot because because i always think of they, they break things down really kind of nichely don't they so i'm i'm gonna go with about 30. Uh, i i would say yeah i would kind of group them so i'd say probably about 10 but you know they're varying degrees of 
you know, that fit within that. So, yeah. yeah. I would have thought about five, maybe. <laughs> um, <laughs> Bev, do you know? I do. There's at least 34. 34. But it doesn't, if you speak to different experts, they'll give you a different 34. So it's probably <laughs> more than 34. Yeah. Um, and yeah, some yeah. of them are, some of them are symptoms of just getting older anyway, and they get lumped together. But there's a significant number. It is, yeah, that really is. Yeah. And then last question, uh, and then we'll move on. How many, what percentage of women do you think feel unsupported at work when they go through the menopause? Oh. According to <laughs> menopausesupport.co.uk. I, I would say uh, uh, I have not yet met a woman who has felt supported at work, uh, and I would be surprised on their quiz if they'd met the ones that do. So I'm going to say 100%. <laughs> I mean, there are some women that are getting support because, the because you know, Bev has a business that goes in and teaches managers how to support women. At, at yes, but what are the chances that that website asks them? That's the point. <laughs> oh, you're gaming the system. Go on, Rich. What do you think? What percentage? I, I would say. Sorry, was it that that do feel or don't feel that don't feel don't? I would say probably a good seventy-five percent. Bev, do you know? Do you want to I, think you, I think you asked the question, you answered yourself, I think, didn't you, earlier? It's about 90%. Oh, according to menopause support, it's 72%, but then wow. one in nine say that they can't talk to the manager. So how yeah, is this? suggest that they're not feeling supported, wouldn't it? Mm. Yeah, mm. yeah, exactly. So the how, problem you know? with any stats like that is it's only as good as the people they've talked to. Exactly. Um, but I know an awful lot of women really struggle, but... To your point, Rachel, there, there are some that are doing a really, really good job. But we're talking about cultural change. We're talking about yeah. talking about some talking about talking about. We're talking about something that just hasn't been talked about for such a long time. And there's there's good movement happening. There's there's a lot of uh, conversations being had now. So there is a bit of a sea change, I think, happening, which is good. Hopefully, I I, yeah. Go on, Mara. Well, I was just going to say, I watched the, the Davina McCall documentary that was on Channel 4 recently, and I know at the end of that they were saying that the Met Police um, have started having a, a proper menopause HR strategy and, and, and some other organisations. But you just said, Bev, you know, it, it's seismic change that is needed because actually this is this is akin to women going through the childhood years, isn't it? You know, that you need time off, you need to job share, you need to go part-time. So when you think about that from an employer's point of view those are massive structural changes that you then need to make within the world it's not just like oh let's have some ice in the freezer and we'll have a, a, a chair that they can go and have a sit down in you know it's it's we need to take on more staff we need to change our policies you know it's huge things for an employer isn't it it can be i think it, it, it small changes can make a big big difference though i don't think they have to i, I think culturally there has to be a seismic change you're absolutely right we've got a really but that's about more than just menopause that's about women's reproductive health across the board in general. Yeah. um but in in reality in the workplace very small changes can make a massive difference to whether women can remain productive and feeling you know that they're performing at their best it doesn't have to be big mm. but there's a definitely a narrative around the whole thing that needs to change yeah. What are some of the problems do you think Bev, that that women face in the workplace when they're going through menopause? I think I think fear of judgment is a big one. Fear of uh, you know they've they've let's face it, however equal we think the workplace should be, 
women still have to fight for their place throughout their career. So letting go of that or, or the fear of letting go of that fight when you get to the point where you've reached menopause, which often coincides with the pinnacle of some, well, not necessarily the pinnacle, because that suggests that it's downhill from there. But, you know, the, women are getting to the peak of their career um, and worried about judgment, worried about being seen as weak or incapable or, like you know, their competence is in some way um impaired so i think there's a there's a danger there's a perception by women themselves i think that they're going to be judged badly i but can completely also... understand that though i mean sorry to interrupt but no, 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 you yeah. know if i think if i've spent 30 years climbing especially if i was in you know like a corporate job say i was in finance or the law or something and it has taken me all of those years of working hard and you know getting a nanny for my children and doing absolutely everything to get myself to that point. And then all of a sudden you're having to say, Jesus Christ, I can't remember my own name this morning. I can't do this job. That, that you know, the, the psychological impact of suddenly having to admit that even to yourself and then having to admit that to your work colleagues must be, must be terrifying, mustn't it? Although in reality, there's no evidence to suggest that that brain fog, that that kind of memory loss or anything actually has any impact on intellect or intelligence. It's not about an inability to do your job. It just means we have to work a hell of a lot harder because it's it's exhausting when you've got yeah. everything else going on. Having spent 30 years already working twice as hard <laughs> yeah. as the man yeah. sat next to you. Yeah. 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 And do you think then that that it that it makes it worse that there's no scientific evidence that it impairs ability the brain fog because you can't kind of point at something definitive and say this is what it is. This is why I feel like this. Well I think there is there is a lot of sort of science behind the fact that hormone fluctuations impact cognitive function but not intellect so I think when when women are kind of struggling uh with memory issues and with word recall issues which is what a lot of women feel that they're you know they're failing in because mm. they've probably always been able to keep everything they need to know in their head they can stand up and talk about their subject with ease and then all of a sudden they're forgetting simple words like you know rice and chicken or whatever it is you know really simple words so i think there's there's a perception that they're, they're going to be seen to be failing but in reality there's you know and there is evidence to show that estrogen levels dropping and testosterone less levels dropping do kind of mess with the, the working function of the brain mm. but actually i've certainly i've found in the work that i do because of course i stand up in front of rooms full of people and talk about this and invariably i forget my words i think Part of it is stress. As soon as you start to stress mm. about the fact that you might look stupid or you might, you know, that you're going to be judged. You know what it's like when you feel stressed, your your, your logical brain goes out the window and you're just mm. left with this kind of jelly wreck of a brain. So if we can manage the, the whole stress response to it, and, and that comes from talking about it and normalising it. Yeah. So no longer are we having to worry about the fact that people aren't aware of what's happening. They know what it's all about. They recognize it's a normal thing. So mm. then that stress comes down and you can continue to perform because you just you can't perform well when you're stressed. It doesn't matter whether you're menopausal or not. Your brain doesn't function well logically when it's when it's in that fight or flight response. So I think I've got off at a tangent. Sorry. No, no it's really interesting. But that that normalising it, that's absolutely. We're all like, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, normalising it, 
it's, it's absolutely the first step and it, you know it's what we said before but um i i, I saw a, a photograph of some of my friends so there was about eight friends they'd gone to this special event they put it on facebook uh, uh, most of them were stuck there it was obviously like a cold autumn day most of them were there in their uh, in their coats and their, their scarves and their hat the woolly hats and their gloves on and one of them was just stood there in a strappy dress and i nearly commented i was like spot the menopausal woman because i know she is a menopausal woman and i know she will have been having a hot flush because i know her and then i was like i can't comment that on facebook because she might be embarrassed and it might not be appropriate so i didn't but then afterwards i was like why why can't we laugh about the fact that you know yeah of course yeah we're bloody having hot flushes left right and center um and it is, it's just, you know, we've got to reach a point where that is just a, a normal thing that you can say. But then again, we can't even say like, oh, I'm on my period, come having a bad day properly yet, can we? So well, that was a little bloody woman's problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And I think, you know, do we do we laugh about it too much? Is is the menopause a punchline to some things, you know? Uh, like, like, again, Victoria Wood, was she not saying that she knew she was menopausal when she passed some Dr. Scholl sandals and thought, they yes. look comfortable? Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of our life comes from Victoria Wood or Monty Python. Yeah, <laughs> but then again, that is the first stage to normalising it, isn't it? Because comedy is at the vanguard of society's, uh, you know, uh, anathemas, and and we start by having that kind of tentative laugh at things, and then they enter the normal, uh, you know, language. The the, the scary thing is, that Victoria Wood started laughing about this in the seventies and the eighties, and we're still we're at a still point talking. where we can't talk about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's I mean, that, do we laugh? It's that old thing, are you laughing at or are you laughing with? But I think mm -hmm. if you're laughing with it, that's great. If you're laughing at somebody about it. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of women feel they're being laughed at. And, mm -hmm. and that's the problem, I think. And, I, you know, I worked for 32 years for the Air Force. There's no way I could have got through 32 years working in a, in a very male-dominated um, environment without the banter and the fun and the sometimes quite sort of gallows humor that goes with that i guess it depends where that humor is coming from and, and the mm. intention behind it is it derision and and belittling or is it actually come on we're all in this together we can we can have a joke about this and the, the latter i think is essential i don't even think it's it's mm. a good to have i think it's an essential but yeah if I, I think a lot of the time women don't feel like they can laugh about it because but, well, yeah, I don't know. Well, sometimes it's, it's not just not bloody. About. It's not spoken about, the, yeah. And sometimes yeah, it's, it's not, not funny. As well, if you are, mm -hmm. you know, if you are struggling and you are feeling, you know, because because depression is a symptom. So whilst it might be misdiagnosed as depression, you can genuinely be depressed. So you might be feeling really low and really fat and really like you can't remember your name and you've got a headache and you've got no motivation and all the rest of it. And at that point, it isn't appropriate for somebody to go, oh, she's bloody having a heart flush. I think as well, sometimes it can feel a bit um, dismissive, I suppose. Like I have a one year old and for probably the last 12 and a half months, you know, people, it, it, there has been a touch of baby brain, which I do believe now is a scientific thing. Um, but, you know, if I'm really struggling and people say, oh, it's ba baby brain, baby brain again, I think, no, fuck off. It's not baby brain. It, it is baby brain, but I don't want it to be dismissed as baby brain because yeah. I'm not... I'm not any worse than I was. I'm just, I just need a second. Just give me a minute. To yeah. Catch up. yeah like, I think that's the, big, that's the big thing, Hannah. You've, you've really hit on a good point there because 
Yes, baby brain is real and it's exactly the same. It's exactly the same issues that perimenopausal women feel, which is the fluctuating um, levels of our sex hormones, estrogen and progesterone. They're all over the place. And if you think what happens when you give birth, Jesus, you put your your hormones through, you know, a roller coaster ride. So it is real. The problem is when we talk about it, it's dismissed as if it's not really impactful. Mm. But it is impactful and it does mm. make, uh, you know, it does make it very, very hard sometimes just to do the basics, you know, because you, you've got this cloudy. I always think it's like photographing through silk because you just can't see all the yeah. detail. And, things. and it is real. And I think that's mm. the difference when it comes to the, the, the humour. As long as we acknowledge that it's we're not we're not deriding it, we're not belittling it, we're recognising it. Mm. fine balance though it yeah. is yeah yeah and i think you know it does depend on where you're feeling as well like you know if if i'm having a good day and and i know not to make all this about me and baby brain but you know like if, if you're having an all right day then then it's fine when someone says oh it's baby brain because you know they're empathizing with me when i was in the kind of throes of postnatal depression and someone would say oh it's baby brain i'd be like i'm not baby brain i'm perfectly fine and you're being mean to me and i can cope and you know i do think it depends kind of where you come from come you know where you are on that spectrum at that time and so can we also sorry hannah just to, to no, kind no. of barge in we we tend to talk about all this as if it's only a female problem but men have hormones too and mm. theirs go up and down and i always laugh when people say oh women they're so emotional men are emotional it's just their emotions come out in a different way they run and get angry we tend to cry so it's exactly yeah. the same you know so they, they do go through they don't go through the same level of kind of fluctuations but they still have hormones that mess them up. Yeah. They do think that men have a, a have PMT, don't they? A kind of they point think in there's the a when they... Yeah. 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 And then you say, I... Go on, Rara. Well, no, I was just going to say, funnily enough, because we always moan, don't we, as feminists? We always say, oh, if, if, you know, if this was a man's issue, it would it would have been researched long ago. And actually, on this front, I do, I do wonder, because, again, we're back to that kind of, is it admitting a weakness? And with men, if you say, like, oh, you know, it's that time of the month, or you're having the male menopause, or your mood's dropped or whatever, men really struggle because of, to you know, toxic masculinity. They really struggle to deal with that or face mm -hmm. the fact that there might be a weakness um, or an issue or something so actually i do wonder if there is some sort of male menopause or male pmt that is absolutely just not being discussed because of toxic masculinity yeah again that's a punchline isn't it oh he's having the male menopause like yeah that's yeah and um, why why do we suppose we don't know so much about this or we don't talk about it a lot marisha we'll come to you <laughs> it's like i'm just listening i'm just you know <laughs> checking out the vibe but yeah i mean i i, I, I to be honest I, I don't really know and and i come from it you know when i talk about ranting about uh, female hormones is because mine are a mess and they always have been and you know the the reality is is that it is not spoken about at all. Let alone when we get to menopause. Uh, even from you know the the point where you're at school and you talk about periods, for example, it's very you know almost mechanical. This is what's going to happen. It's going to be this amount of time, you know, and that's it. You know, we don't talk about anything else after that. Mm. When you know I have you know all sorts of things that go on. You know, I have hot, hot flushes and this, that, and the other, and you know 
not you know kind of you know adding to that then with things like you know uh, contraception the pill etc you know there's a whole bunch of other stuff that kind of comes into play when we're talking about hormones um you know and and, and i think it's i think there is that element of weakness but i think there's there's that everyone just kind of suffers in silence you know so there's what is right what is wrong i don't even know you know none of it all of it you know there's that kind of conversation but we just don't because it isn't you know it's not even spoken about by parents you know it's not it's that whole kind of just you know bring it in into you know kind of conversation and i think there has to be a a monitoring of oneself you know without trying to sound too kind of holy about it you know what i mean you have to know what's right for you to then be able to say whether something is not quite right or something's changed and it's taken me till now you know to actually know what's what is right for me and my body you know because i'm not putting anything else in or anything along those lines you know so if i had this conversation when i was 18 you know the that kind of right me was the one that got migraines the one that had this the one that had that you know and things change um but i think you have to learn you know to accept you know what it is for yourself and to monitor monitor what it is for yourself before you can you know start to do anything about it or even think about what's normal and what's not and i think there is a, a little bit of change there because we are having more period conversations there is more you know in terms of that apps for monitoring your cycle and things like that so i think there's a bit more you know of an understanding now or a, an acceptance of being able to talk about it but i think you know we're, we're way off you know the stuff that's not normal i think that's massive actually reese you, you've put your finger on it there and that there is no such thing as normal and you're right you know we're taught you will have a cycle every 28 days and i you know i haven't had a, a period since the 4th of august now and i don't know whether that's the the um Covid jab. Covid. Baby, yeah, baby, oh, baby. Shut up, shut up. It's absolutely not. I don't know whether it's because I had the COVID. We don't do that. We don't absolutely not do that. But this is it. I don't know. And I, you know, even if I went to the doctor and said run some tests, they still wouldn't know. And there's yeah. a massive amount of re women's reproductive health and bodies that is just like. Absolutely exactly. no idea. And I don't think it's lack of research. I think it genuinely is that every single body is completely different and everybody will react to different levels of hormones. Mm. And, you know, one person can have the pill and be regular as hell and another person will have the pill and never have a period again. And it's crackers. And, and you know, the, the scope for understanding this is, is just... I don't know. <laughs> and I know that, that we've gone off on a tangent here and I will bring it back around but I think as well like when certainly my experience of being a teenager was right you're 16 17 18 you're going on the pill everyone went on the pill and I didn't know until I came off it when I was 30 what a real period was like I realized like you mm. know I didn't know what was normal because I'd just been taking the mm. pill taking the pill taking the pill and then and then I realized that actually like you know the pill massively modifies my hormones and my my cycle and everything so I have no idea what's brewing for me mm. um but also know, I don't Hannah, know what's normal the other thing is that we don't know what's normal because our mother, our grandmother and her mother, so for the last three generations down our female line, have all had hysterectomies and therefore gone through the early menopause in their 30s. Mm, yeah. So we have absolutely no idea what is normal for the women in our family 
in terms of, you know, when we're likely to go through menopause. And I went to my doctor and I said this, and I was like, you know, I'm having symptoms of the early perimenopause and I'm 40 in December. And she was like, oh, don't be stupid. You're far too young. And I was like, but I am, you know, but, but, but my sleep has changed, but my smell has changed. I smelled it. You know, I don't stink, but I smell different oh, than do. I used to smell. Yeah. Um, you know, my, my periods, as I say, have stopped. You know, my moods have changed. Everything. And, and I'm having hot flushes and blah, 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 blah. And, and to Sounds cheat, like pregnancy to me, mate. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to keep hanging this drum, aren't you? <laughs> uh, I hear that so often, though, Rachel. No, no, don't be silly. You're far too young. But you're not. We know. Did you know, by the way, today is World Perimenopause Day? I only found that out today. Oh, I did this for a job. Yay. I didn't even know it was a thing. Yeah. Perimenopause, it, it's very common for perimenopause to start in sort of late 30s, early 40s. Mm. Um, and we know our body. You know, we know mm. our body better than a doctor does. If we're feeling yeah. something changing, notwithstanding what you said, Hannah, about, you know, the, the contraceptive pill is going to, it's going to stabilize things and maybe disguise what's going mm. on. But generally speaking, we know when, when mm. things are not right. Going mm. back to your question, um, Hannah, about um, why do we not, talk about menopause as much i think if you think about those other sort of um milestones in your life puberty is a coming of age isn't it it's a celebrated thing you have a baby we celebrate it it's all great you get to menopause what you celebrate and getting old, old. Getting close to death. <laughs> i'm old yeah i'm not dead yeah, I genuinely think we need to move away from this idea that middle-aged women are somehow on the scrap heap. We've got, yeah, yeah. we could have half of our life yet to live. On yes. Saturday, I was down in Kent celebrating my mum-in-law's 90th birthday. So I'm 55, she's 90. She went through her an induced menopause in her, I think she was in her early 40s. She's had more than half of her life post-menopausal mm. And yes. do you know what? She's a bloody pocket rocket. She's brilliant. Mm -hmm. And she's, yeah. she's given so much of the last 45 years of, of value to the world. She's not absolutely not over the hill. So yeah. I think we have to kind of, you know, we have anti-aging creams. So when you're 20, let's forget <coughs> anti-aging. Yeah, yeah. not pro-aging and actually look forward to something that's denied to so many women. We should, yeah. we, we need to kind of, I don't know, rebrand older women. I think. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. they always well, say the there's the, the three ages of womanhood, isn't there? The, ma the maiden, the mother and the crone. And it absolutely was, you know, what is your role after motherhood? Well, you, you're absolutely right, Bev. Most of your life is going to be lived after motherhood. Most of your life is going to be lived as that woman who is doing the caring for the generation above, the caring for the generation below and the generation mm -hmm. below them once grandchildren come along, you know, assuming you have children. But, you, you know, absolutely, this, this narrative that the old woman does not have place. I mean, it was it was kind of smashed out, wasn't it? With you know the the witches and and you know you could not be an older woman. It was it was heretic, and you well, were obviously scary, aren't we? Yeah, we're scary, exactly. Yeah. Because we've got all this don't give a shit this anymore all of that kind of giving, that nurturing. I'm not saying we don't do that anymore, but we do it in a different way. And I think you know, I speak to so, so many women in their 
late 40s and into their 50s who are realizing that actually now is their time without kind of putting mm. a cliche on it mm. now is my time but starting businesses in their you know and actually women in their 50s are the most successful entrepreneurs if you look yeah. statistically yeah um, i've got to wait another 20 years, <laughs> <laughs> 20 years, <10> years. <laughs> yeah in your dreams Rich. All right. years. look at this young face <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know. <laughs> I think we, we've got to as well move away from the idea that menopause means old because yeah. it doesn't. And, and actually, we Absolutely. know so much now that menopause happens so much sooner. Perimenopause kicks in so much sooner, and, and it can happen at any age. You know, kids coming through their puberty can go straight into menopause. So it's not an age thing. Mm-hmm. You know, Absolutely. we've got to move Absolutely. away from that. What about HRT? I just want to quickly ask ask this question because, again, this is another thing because there was all the scare in the 80s and 90s, wasn't there, about HRT causing breast cancer? And that has been thoroughly debunked now. But it's one of those myths that hangs around. It's like the the MMR jab and and autism, Mm. isn't it? It's just one of those myths that will not die. So again, doctors as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so again, are we, you know, I mean, I'm going to take all the bloody hormones they'll give me. Um, I'm happy to take them all. Uh, but again, it's the, you know, this is a conversation we need to be having, isn't it? You know, we need to be debunking that that myth that the HRT patch is bad for you. Mm. Yeah, I mean, actually, you know, modern HRT for for women starting HRT before they reach menopause. So menopause is just one day. I, th- I think you probably know that it's just one day. Mm. perimenopause lasts a hell of a lot longer but menopause itself is just one day so if you start hrt before you reach that one day of menopause your likelihood for breast cancer is lower than if you don't take it yeah and also all sorts of other things because they they think now that a lot of the reason that you know dementia is so much more prevalent in in women than it is in men at the moment osteoporosis is so much more and they think now that that is because hard yeah because of the lowered hormones because women are living so much longer with such low levels of estrogen and actually if we all started on the hrt much sooner there would be much less uh osteoporosis Uh, you know, we would all live longer, but we would live healthier for longer yeah. if we went on the HRT. So, yeah, okay. give me the bloody HRT patches. Yeah, it's an interesting argument because some people will say, well, we're not meant to have it. Mm. We're not meant to have it. So, you know, you can you should be able to manage your hormones through lifestyle and all the rest of it. And I'm massively in favor of good lifestyle choices. But the reality is evolution's kind of overtaken nature we're yeah. living, you know, much we're living longer. so much longer. Mm. I think that there's something going back to stats and you've got to love stats because you're never sure whether they're right or not. But yeah. there's something about, I think I read if, if we went back, say, 100 years, the average age for a woman to go through menopause then was 57. It's now 51. But the average life expectancy was 61 and mm. now it's 82. So actually, women didn't need to worry too much about osteoporosis and Alzheimer's and dementia because they were dead. Mm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen it, but not. Also, still alive. Also, yeah. women will quite happily take the pill for however many years. You know, if that's not, oh, the cats are fighting. If that's not messing with nature and hormones, I don't know what is. Let me just yeah. It's interesting because a lot of women take the progesterone only pill and the link with breast cancer comes from the progesterone, not the estrogen. Oh, really? But there is just such such a lot of misinformation about this. So back to my statistics. Uh, one third of women uh, who visited the GP weren't made, weren't made aware of HRT. 
and and I think it's suggesting that GPs feel as confused about it as the patients. Mm. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. shouldn't be. There's plenty of information out there that's good quality. But if your GP trained uh, the the if they went through their training between say 2000 and 2010, they'd have been taught that HRT was risky. So it's very mm. hard to change a belief, isn't it? Once that's yeah. what you've been taught. But actually, you know, the the, the benefits far outweigh the risks and I'm with you Rachel I'll be on HRT until the day they put me in my coffin yes the benefits just you know when you're talking about my mum died of breast cancer interestingly so you'd think I'd be really against it Mm. um but when I think about the the fear for me is Alzheimer's the idea that my body might still be fit but my brain is gone um so if I can protect against Alzheimer's that for me is a, a big tick in the box and not, yeah. you know, not to mention all of the other benefits that it brings. So, yeah, don't, yeah. don't, don't worry about HRT and fear it. That you know, the yeah. benefits outweigh the risks easily. Good, good, That's good. good to know. So, what do you recommend, Bev, as employers uh, or managers, we can do to support women who are menopausal or perimenopausal? Mm. I think we've just got, I I, I use this three C's, compassion, common sense and communication. So as long as we can approach, you know, as as long as managers can approach the conversations with compassion and a bit of common sense, you know, have the conversations. Don't be afraid to, I think, don't be afraid to talk about menopause. That's the key. And organisations have to make it easy for managers to be able to have those conversations. So good policies or guidelines so managers are made aware of what the heck it is because let's face it we don't get taught we've already talked about this if women don't get taught about it men have got no chance so that that awareness and good education in the workplace but having having not shying away from the conversation i think is the first thing i'd rather a manager inadvertently said the wrong thing with good intent than said nothing and pretended there was no issue there Bev, do you think can I just ask sorry do you, as as kind of managers of staff do you think that we should take the initiative so should it be something that you know age 45 we sit down with our staff and say right when you start the menopause you can come and talk to me or do we wait until uh, you know our staff yeah. come to us do we just have it as an open yeah. door policy I, I think that's a really a really good point to raise actually because what you what you've just done there is made an assumption that women at 45 onwards are going to be struggling when in reality in reality it could happen at any time throughout their career um, and also not all women have symptoms you know some women mm-hmm. sail through their menopause and wonder what all the fuss is about so I think kind of answering your question and Hannah's not making assumptions, checking your own biases, making sure that we're not stereotyping women in a certain bracket of, you know, women of a certain age, therefore they'll, they are going to be menopausal. Interestingly, I was doing some work with a council quite recently and they, she was just starting their training program. And she said, I think we'll, we'll just start with a colleague session to help women to understand, um, uh, I don't want to kind of go in too hard with ev- with menopause to everybody, but maybe I'll just send out an invitation to some of the women who I think would be, be- who would benefit. Mm. As a, well, if you're wanting to make this an inclusive conversation and, and break down any taboo around it, actually what we're already doing in, in doing exactly that 
is labeling a stigmatizing yeah a, a set of women who you've made an assumption mm. will need to know this so I think breaking down assumptions, checking your stere- you know, any stereotypes that you might have in your head, um, and and being inclusive about the conversation. I think including men, younger employees, and everybody in the conversation yeah. makes it easier to talk about it. Do you think? I mean, would you liken it so much? Would you liken it to kind of how we uh, act about mental health now? Yeah. So you know, we kind of work very hard to reduce the stigma, to not make assumptions, to open the door, to you know, be aware and compassionate about it. Is that Absolutely. kind of like yeah, exactly the same? I, I think menopause in the workplace is pretty much where mental health in the workplace was probably 10, 12 years ago. Yeah, um, yeah. and there's still a lot of work to be done around mental health. And, and assumptions and, and actually breaking down the stigma. But we've made huge inroads, I think. We're just at the start of that journey with menopause. And I, I think there's a, so many, so much overlap between menopause and mental health because a lot of the mental uh, uh, menopause symptoms are mental health yeah, um, symptoms. They're psychological and emotional symptoms. Absolutely. So, yeah, absolutely, huge amount of overlap. Mm. Cool. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, well, we are way over time. Uh, we so are. This has been really interesting. So thank you very much for your time. And thank you to everybody that's watched, if you've managed to last this long. Very well done. Uh, <laughs> any final thoughts or final words that anybody wants to throw in there? Oh, go on, go on. Is that all right? Can I be? Yeah, go of course. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. So I, when I started with my menopause symptoms at age 50, I struggled to find good information. There was loads of stuff out there, but it was either really confusing, really heavily medical, or it was downright bullshit, to be honest. There was so much stuff out there that didn't make sense. So I thought if I can't find it, I write it. So my book, The Business of Menopause, A Guide for Working Women, it's awesome. yes. on the 18th of october so it's available Amazing. now pretty much for pre-order um, and it's just a really simple guide to everything that i had to learn um to try and demystify the whole process so i talk mm. about what it is when it happens why it happens hormones lifestyle factors that can help i talk about hrt all of the different types and how can you choose what you want so that's will you put the put the link in the chat box afterwards please bev if you go to the facebook page uh, and find the yeah. video and, and put the link in there then people can buy it yeah is it on amazon it is on Amazon. It's also in it's in Waterstones, I was told, which is quite exciting. Oh, very good. Um, very yeah, exciting. It's, it's out there. So it's got, cool. it, uh, you know, Amazon's the easiest, isn't it? I think it's yeah. out on Amazon at the minute, although it's not meant to be because I pushed the wrong button. Um, it went live before it was meant to. But it's, actually, it's long the menopause, it, You can't get it now. It was menopause. Absolutely, yeah. Brilliant. Love it. Um, I just have one final word. I would just like to say, um, when we mentioned before about, you know, we have to have this conversation with men as well. We are going to have to actively encourage the men into the conversation. So, because I, I know recently when I've run my kind of business uh, networking groups and I've, I've said that, you know, we're going to talk about periods at this one or tackling period poverty in the valley. All the men don't come and it's just women that turn up. Um, and we're, we've got the, the next meeting is, is about, you know, getting businesses to tackle periods 
period poverty in the valley and i've purposely put on the email men please come we need you in this conversation so you know when you say we're, we're not to exclude we, we are going to have to actively not to exclude men as in force them into the room otherwise they will bow out of that conversation so i think bear that in mind as as businesses when we're trying to get people involved in this conversation Maybe tell them that the meeting's about something else. Yes, it's, it's about biscuits. <laughs> about biscuits, boys. Come, come along. Biscuits and puppies. Jam <laughs> so random. Uh, no, I, think I, will, that's... I will say, though, um, when I first started doing what I do, I made the assumption that men wouldn't be interested at all. I think if, they, if, they, if we can get the relevance for them across, mm. they're, they're really engaged and they want to know because they're never going to experience it. Well, most yeah. don't. Some will. Yeah. And that, I agree. And I, I think, yeah, you know, my final point on it would be exactly that is that it's an inclusive conversation. But I think there has to be like, you know, Bev said, you know, just now that it's got to be it's got to be relevant. And, you know, I wouldn't want to go to a meeting about menopause where women are just going to moan all day. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Right? That I'm not interested in that. So how can we expect to, you know, anyone else to be? So I think it has to be a, you know, kind of open conversation but also a little bit uh, well what's in it for me for being you know into that conversation mm. and you know work at home we're, we're more you know mesh than we ever have been you know so you, you learn something one place you take it to the next place mm. you know so I think it's you know great that it's uh you know to, to champion that open conversation brilliant yeah and and just to kind of top top that off shooting the shit is open to men as well we have got some men in there um my husband watches these under duress so dave i very much hope you're watching otherwise you'll be in big bother um, <laughs> so you know yeah in, like encourage people to encourage the men in your life to join uh, join shooting the shit to talk about these issues with you and not just menopause all the other kind of women's issues uh, mm -hmm. that we're facing so Awesome. Right. Thank you so much, you guys. Um, if you're listening on, what do I have to say now, Rachel? If oh, you can so, get this yeah. on a podcast, I'll put all the notes in the whatever and blah, 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 YouTube, yeah. like and subscribe, etc., etc. Subscribe below, guys. <laughs> all the gubbins, all that yeah. stuff. <laughs> there we go. Expertly done, Hannah. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you so much. much. Right, we have to wave now. We have to wave, and I will start. Ready? Wave, wave. wave Marisha. Bye. Bye.